1: i yeah.
2: Living through Jewish demonology <sighs> we are so excited to be here at the JCC of Detroit thank you so much to everyone who invited us out and to all of you for being here with us this evening we're scared out of our minds because usually <laughs> we're here doing this into I need to stop breathing into the mic usually we run this podcast out of our living room which has been beautifully recreated here <laughs> the, the details are so. The details are really pristine. I do. I would say that there is a surprising lack of cat clawing on the sides yeah. of the couch, yeah. which I'm a little disappointed about. But we'll write a strongly worded letter to the management, <laughs> and it'll be okay. Um, so yes. So we are throwing shade, and um, for the past year and a half or so, we've spent a lot of time with the darker forces inside of Judaism that you may not may or may not be familiar with, um, and producing a a podcast. And so, um, hello everyone, I'm Miriam and with me as always is Alan. Hi. Alan, how are you?
3: Baruch Hashem. Yes,
2: okay. <laughs> that is our signal that we are ready to dive in to our text and tradition and mine it for what goodness there is in there. I will also say, and here it comes, I'm dealing with a touch of laryngitis here. So I have a little bit of tea, I have these very classy throat drops here. <clears> throat> And I thank you all for bearing with me because at some point this is going to turn into the demonology hour with Mickey Mouse, and everybody will be here with me. But um, great. So we were invited out this week in particular because what's happening around this time? Parshat Noach. Very, very good. good, right? <laughs> so we are. This week is Parsha Noach, which, yeah, yeah, okay, Halloween is coming up, absolutely. Um, But actually, in the Parsha of Noach, we have one of Alan's and my favorite references to demons. Bet you didn't know there were demons in Parsha Noach. But what happens is, in the course of God telling Noah to go and gather all of the animals, and um, bring them into this, what must have been a very stinky ark, there is a commentary about a particular phrase, which is about bringing on kol hachai, right? Yeah. Something like that. We don't have the text in front of us, and we don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. the commentary that Rashi brings at that point is kol hachai, right? We need all of the living things. And so Rashi pipes up, and he says, afi shadim, even the demons, right? So right there, we've already learned a little bit about demons, first of all that they can die in a flood just like the rest of us. Right, what else?
3: Yeah, so it's Rashi is, mm-hmm. bringing, is that commentator. Uh, it says when, when, when God is telling Noah to bring all the living creatures onto the ark, Rashi's explaining even the Shadim need to, need to come out of the ark. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that even if you look, at, a careful reading of the text will tell you that Noah wasn't actually the one who brought the animals onto the ark. They came of their own accord uh, the same, Animals actually. Animals
2: just do whatever. Well, They're, uh, cats, cats maybe. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but, um, uh, but the uh, the uh, but the Shadim as well. The Shadim who uh, they, they they actually Hashem sort of ushers them onto the ark. It wasn't as though Noah had to go get the Shadim. Mm-hmm. But as you, I just want to clarify one thing that you you said um, sh- the Shadim can die in a flood. I want to look at the if you look at the text again pretty carefully, you'll see. And this is other commentators, other Mafarshin bring this as well, that um, you know, the water wasn't just like coming down from the sky and landing on the ground right. and filling it up. The water was in the atmosphere as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of the realm of where the shadim are. Yeah. So they were in danger, not of drowning because like, you know, of gravity like a human or, or an animal would, mm-hmm. but, um, but the, from the atmosphere there. Right, they prefer nature. a dry heat. This is, this is from, right. shadim do better <laughs> in Arizona. No?
2: I, I don't know. In the Midbar, right? In the, the Midbar, the, there the, you the, go, exactly. the wildernesses
3: <laughs> of Arizona, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so they uh, there's that. And the, he, Rashi gets this from uh, Medrash and Precious Rabbah. So. Exactly.
2: So Shadim are everywhere in our tradition, and we will interchangeably use the term Shadim and demons there are different kinds of shading demons is not exactly the, the perfect translation but it's a good one especially for this time of year and since we were actually brought here because of halloween <laughs> we figured we'll we'll present a text this evening that has to do with something that you might see around during halloween and that is black cats in particular cats have really already become kind of a running theme that i didn't really expect
3: yeah i was going to say it's a connection
2: okay we'll dig into Animals the psychology in the arc, of that there later there are two cats there you go yeah yeah Okay. Well, what's your text that we're going to look at this evening?
3: Right. So this is a relatively well-known one, but we hadn't touched on it yet. Yeah. And I, uh, I thought, what better opportunity than before our first live audience when... Uh, there you go. Yeah, you know, I'm extremely nervous. Let's try it with all we'll these probably people. screw it all up. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, famous Gemara in Mustafa's Brachos, As you can see, I have my Gemara with me. The mm-hmm. listening audience can't, but you can. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, Gmar Meshachas Bracha Vav, where we get a bunch of different uh, things about Shadim, including where they dwell, such as in the ruins and the wildernesses, like Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, but,
2: wildernesses, not okay. ruins, Arizona.
3: Yeah, okay.
2: I don't hate Arizona, I promise. Okay, okay. yes?
3: Okay, so um, uh, yeah. One of the things that's discussed there is, it, should one have the desire to see the mm-hmm. And This is after a discussion, which we've covered in a previous episode, about why it is that we do not see the Shedim, because if we did, we would be paralyzed from fear. They're all around us constantly. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Um, it's really innumerable, and there are different castes and different powers and everything like that. So mm-hmm. if we could see them, we would be powerless, we would be paralyzed from fear. If one would want to, for whatever reason, see a shade, there are a couple of different methods that one could use. Hmm. The Gemara here in Daf and Vav mentions. uh, So the
2: quick quick explanation of terms: Gemara, Talmud is an interchangeable term in this case. Yeah. Right. So Daf is a page. Yes. And Vav is number six. Yes. Great. So everyone, open your primers. Here we go. Okay, we're ready to go. Uh, Yeah. uh, Overachievers.
3: all our, all our listeners are overachievers here.
2: I'm not sure how to take that.
3: Okay. Let's- anyway, <laughs> um, um, yeah, the, the, like I said, relatively well-known one. Should one want to see Shedim, one particular method involves cats. Specifically um, black cats. Specifically a black cat, specifically a female black cat, specifically the afterbirth of the firstborn female black cat of a female black cat
2: you know I was gonna guess that
3: yeah okay
2: and you just beat me to it
3: yes um, and uh, yeah if you if you should want to see the shading you find this uh, you know placenta you burn it in fire yeah you take the ashes yeah and you take a, a
2: notice how they're all still here. <laughs> Okay, great. You, yes. you,
3: would, you would take the ashes a little bit, not a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. And we're, well, we're, we're, you don't want to overdo I, these things,
3: right? And I do. It's actually important because I do want to stress that we're learning this Gemara. There, there are a number of different ways in which the commentators learn the Gemara. We're going to learn it according to the way Rashi learns it. Mm-hmm. Rashi is as you Figured out from the Noah reference, one of those who really digs the, the Shadim in the, in the sense that happens believes to be that a, they're real, believes that they're yes, yeah.
2: major medieval anyway. commentator. Lots right. of demons show up in
3: yeah. So the way Rashi learns is take just a few, not a lot of these ashes. You don't right. need to cover, you know, just a little bit yeah. and sprinkle them in your eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and then now this is important. You have to take the rest of the ashes, put it in a very solid metal tube container
4: mm-hmm. and
3: seal it with a metal tube with a metal seal, mm-hmm. like a really good seal. Yeah. Well. Um, and uh, and then you would be able to see the shades.
2: Does this sound like ingredients for like a really dark makeup company?
3: Feel like you get <laughs> that
2: perfect smoky eye.
3: I don't know what makeup companies use for no. makeup. <laughs> I Don't. I mean, maybe the second born of a of a female black black cat, but not the first. <laughs> ah. born, you know.
2: Okay, so this is you're you're coming you're coming right from the Gemara here that they're saying, they're basically positing. Let's assume you want to see a demon, so go through this. Right. What feels like a very sort of cultish, not. May I may I offer not very Jewish feeling kind of process right. so, to be able to do that.
3: So it's interesting because it's actually not the only time cats appear in the Gemara. Okay. So and, and other Jewish texts. Um, I'll mention just sort of uh, you know a little bit off topic, still cat related though. Is we
2: never go that, off topic on this podcast. I want you to watch yourself.
3: And also still related in other ways too. But excuse me. But yeah, they uh, uh, there's a Gemara in Shabbos that That says, um, I'm trying to remember what it says. It says that if you offer menstrual blood to a cat, you (laughs) can make a man impotent. Um, Okay. uh, Then another thing that is mentioned, um, so there's another thing. Uh huh. Are you uncomfortable yet? (laughs)
2: They paid eight bucks for
3: this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) um, there's another... Uh, I was
2: just surprised. Okay. That's all.
3: But well, this one, this one's actually a little bit more more on topic, is that there's a Kabbalist, a Makubal, a uh, Kabbalistic text that the name of the Makubal escapes me, I apologize, but who, who mentions that it, this particular Kabbalist believes that um, uh, cats are in fact the reincarnated humans who have used the name of God in vain. Wow. Laval. Um, what's oh, interesting about, what's I speci- heard a
2: hum of recognition.
3: <laughs> what's interesting about that is that we already know something about Shadim and the use of the name of God in vain. That's true. So from the Gemara Mestachlis Megillah, again, okay. this is another Gemara. So theme. from the
2: Talmud and the, the particularly the tractate Megillah, which has to do with Megillah Esther that we read on Purim and Mostly. a whole bunch of other things.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. They also go way up, off topic. There's a long tradition of Jews going off topic. Yes. So. Um, we're just <laughs> we're handing down the chain go ahead yes
3: right uh, yeah uh, that uh, she we learned long story short we learned from that particular piece of Gemara that Shadim do not use the name of God in vain right so uh, you know there's some relation there the, the, that uh, you know you can see Shadim by use of a cat who is according to one Kabbalist the reincarnated person who used the name of God in vain there's yeah
2: wow that's heavy Yeah. Yeah. We had spoken. So in in previous episodes, we'd um, we talked a little bit about this idea of greeting a shade with the word Shalom, which is also a name of God and forcing them to potentially use that name in vain, which they can't do. The Shadim are are bound by the mitzvahs. Right. Which is another issue that's come up in our in our conversations before.
3: Yeah. There Um, are Shadim who are. There are
2: Shading who are. Yes. No. yes. There's a whole rainbow of shading just Basically. like there are many different types of people. So too is there diversity in shade life. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so and why can um, why why do I want to see a shade?
3: Um, okay. Before we get there, I just want to close out the piece of the Gemara because yes. um, uh, the 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 question that I would have asked is how do the how do the rabbis know this? How do they know this formula for, for, for finding, for, for seeing shading? Then we'll answer that your That is also a fair question. Let's yes. tackle that. So, trial and error is the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, uh, the, the last piece the of good that old Gemara,
2: scientific method.
3: <laughs> right, the last piece of that Gemara is Rebe Barabaya. Abaya was one of the one of the great Amaraim, mm-hmm. and his son uh, was also, and he, um, he tried this, except he missed the part about putting the ashes in the tube and sealing it. Ugh, and, he, and the and the shadim uh, really harmed him really badly.
4: Oh. So um,
3: because he did he, because he missed that last step. Mm. And uh, so the chachamim and at the time they uh, they all davened they prayed for him and he was healed. But mm. they made sure to put that part in the gemara because you got to do every step. Wait,
2: so the Otherwise, message at the end of that gemara isn't. And also, don't do this. The message is, if you're gonna do it, pay attention to the details and do it right.
3: In a way, yeah. That's, that's
2: terrifying and insane.
3: Okay, <laughs> yeah. But your question is also part of that question.
2: Okay, so right? why so do like, I want to see shading in the first place?
3: I'm gonna ask you that question. Why, would you, why do you think you'd want to see shading? <laughs>
2: Um, I mean, I don't, but I, I think there's, there is an intellectual curiosity there um, okay. that I perhaps may want to satisfy. Um, there may be, I don't know. There, are, I, I do not know. I do not have a good answer to that question.
3: Okay. I'll, um, I'll lead you with a piece of Gemara that comes immediately before this piece about the, uh, about the, the black cat mm-hmm. is another recipe for seeing shady, Yeah. which is not so direct as the one with the ashes and the black cat. It's a different, um, a different, uh, uh, method mm-hmm. is, um, and we've. Ta- I think we've maybe even addressed this in a previous episode, if someone suspects that they're shading around their bed at night,
2: mm-hmm. yes,
3: they put fine ashes around the around the bed mm-hmm. and go to sleep and in the morning if they see chicken fu- footprints in the ashes, they know <laughs> that they're shading there. Sure. Okay, so. Or a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You rationalist. I know. Okay. Um, um, uh, no, but we also know shadeem ha- have feet of chickens. They cannot, that's the only part of their body that cannot shape shift. So they all have yes. chicken feet.
2: So there was a lot in what you just said there. We've talked a little bit before yeah. about how shadeem can shape shift and can appear in different right. forms, including human form, but that the one part of their body that they can't change is their feet. So if you do happen to suspect that a colleague, for instance, is a shade, then you want to kind of discreetly peek and uh, and check out the feet.
3: Right. There's a lot of great stories about that, including the story in the Gemara uh, about um, Ashmedai putting on the, the sh- shifting, sh- shifting his shape into <laughs> that of HaMelech, King Solomon. Ooh. And the concubines and the wives are, are not sure about what's going on here. They, <laughs> they don't really think it's him. So they ask to see his feet. And then he knows he's been, caught.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, because mm-hmm. even even Ashmedai, the king of the Sheduim, can't uh, can't change the shape of his feet. Um, yeah. yeah, right. It's interesting that that's like
2: the point where they're like, you know, they've got somebody masquerading as their husband, yeah. but it's um, you know, and something feels a little bit off. But they actually like they have to go to the lengths of let's make let's check the feet to make sure that this is that this is actually the case. But right. um,
3: so why, would, so why would somebody, first of all, want to know if there's shading around their bed? And then, why would somebody want to be able to see them, right?
4: Mm,
2: okay, fair enough. So, um, so one of the things that we've noticed in the course of doing this podcast and having these conversations is that shading show up at moments of extreme vulnerability. Correct. So, for instance, an example that we've talked about before is, um, is childbirth. Right, right. Um, where, which is a huge moment of transition and a lot of work, <laughs> and um, and it's a, a potentially dangerous situation, um, sort of a liminal space. And so that's a place where a lot of a lot of lore, a lot of ritual, a lot of folk folklore has risen up around how to deal with that potentially dangerous situation. Right. So. Right. Um, so you'd want to, and, and those are the situations that, that shading tend to take advantage of. They swoop in and they see that vulnerability and they attack. So it may, be, it may be in my best interest to know if they're around so that I could do more to protect myself. I can see that.
3: Yeah, that, w- that would be my main answer as well.
2: Right, so putting it around the bed of a, of a, a woman in labor.
3: for instance. Right, but it, when you say extreme vulnerability, it doesn't have to be that extreme. Even mm-hmm. sleeping is considered a vulnerable thing. Right. But as we've mentioned a number of times on the podcast, the single most um, uh, effective way to protect yourself against the damages and the uh, injury that Shadim can do is by keeping to the mitzvahs.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And by doing the mitzvahs, um, you are the word mitzvah means to connect. You're connecting yourself to Hashem, to God, and that is, so to speak, going above the heads of the Shadim, right? So yeah, I did air quotes. You guys can see that. I can't remember um, <laughs> Audio medium,
2: audio medium. <laughs> right,
3: right. Um, you, you're, going, you're, going, you're going above the heads of the Shadim, so to speak, so that's, you know, Hashem is going to protect you from the Shadim if you're doing the mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not sure if what you're doing is a mitzvah or not. Maybe a bed is a place that might be questionable, um, uh, a questionable place. Oh, I should also mention, Shadim are also very territorial. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, if they think that this place is a place for them, they will fight for it.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So we've gotten into this a little bit. I want to close out a little bit on this on this fascinating text, and now you all have your homework, right? You can all go home and find yourself a placenta of a black cat or whatever it is. Please do not do that. And <laughs>
3: not recommended (laughs) not not for
2: we're going to shift gears a little bit and i'd love to i'm going to i'm going to play a little game with alan for the next couple of minutes and so during the um when we when we do our podcast on our normal cat scratched up couch at home. Um, We divide it into a couple of sections. We look at a text and we unearth where the demons are and what the meaning is and why this is important today. Um, And then we also take um, some listener questions. We'll be happy to take your questions at the end of this conversation as well. Um, But some of those questions fall under the category of what I like to refer to as does it demon, which is inspired by the will it blend commercials. Is anyone familiar with these? There was a series of commercials selling a very powerful blender.
3: That's not a 90s reference. (laughs) And
2: it's, I don't think it's quite 90s. I don't know, somebody can check me on this. But um, in order to demonstrate the sheer force of this blender, the guy selling them would just blend things that you really shouldn't be blending, everything from an Apple to an iPhone, right? You see what I did there? Um, and (laughs) And so instead of will it blend, we have does it demon? So um, I am going to throw out some- This is
3: Miriam's favorite segment and Alan's <laughs> least favorite segment.
2: <laughs> it's my favorite segment. We're gonna have such a good time. Um, I'm going to throw out some examples of things that are a little on the unusual side in Jewish tradition, familiar but perhaps strange, um, and ask, quest- ask Alan to tell me whether it demons, whether it has anything to do with Shadim, or not, um, and we'll do it in relatively quick succession. And, um, and you're gonna be amazing. And I'm always <laughs> deeply disappointed by these conversations. I'll just put that out there, that the majority of the time the answer is no. Nope. But I'm hoping I hit on one or two here. So, Alan, are you ready to go?
3: Can I give a maybe answer? No. Does it has to be yes, yes or no? Yes, you can do maybe. Okay.
2: I want the real answer. Also lie to me and tell me that they're shading because I'm really excited about demons. Okay, here we go. Not, so the it's not first lie. one. <laughs> the real. first one. Okay, here's my first one for you. Breaking the glass at the wedding. Ah,
3: okay. <laughs> um, so, so at the
2: end of a at the end of a Jewish wedding ceremony, there's this moment of of stomping on the glass and everybody says Mazel Tov and like why, but does it? But more importantly,
3: does it demon? Does it, it demon? I think that after that wonderful uh, introduction about how disappointed you are about these does it demon things, you will not be disappointed when I say that yes, <gasps> in fact, breaking the glass at a at a chasen at a Jewish wedding does demon.
2: Really? Yeah. How? Tell me more
3: because so the the answer that we usually get is oh because this is a jewish wedding it's the most happy occasion we could possibly have but we have to remember Mm -hmm. the destruction of the temple and that's true and and so because of the destruction we have to be a little bit sad so we break a glass that can't be repaired and and very emotionally manipulative
2: and then we all say mazel tov we all
3: say mazel tov because it's happy again great um just just like because it's a happy occasion we have to remember the sad thing it's in other words the the thing about the base being destroyed is not wrong it is related. The
2: destruction of the temple in Jerusalem.
3: Right. Thank you. Yep. Um, it's, got you uh, back. it is, um, when things are so great and so happy, mm-hmm. there are certain shading. Uh, a lot of our listeners might be familiar with the ayin Hara, which is a very ubiquitous and very sort of uh, popular, I'll say, shade.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, ayin Hara, familiar?
3: So the eye. So the evil eye, which
2: is also a shade.
3: Yes. Uh, we haven't really got to that. We we'll have to do some Ayin Hara stuff. We do. Uh you've done your podcast. obligatory
2: we'll have to do this in another podcast. Yes. Great. Okay. <laughs> so so we're at this really happy moment, we smash the glass and we're sad for a microsecond and then we right. go back to the hasana
3: Right. Yeah. That's that's the setup. Yes. But here's the thing is that the Ayin Hara, along with their other Shadim who follow this uh this strategy, if you will, as well, mm-hmm. which is that um uh Again, vulnerability. As soon as we feel like, oh, things are so great, mm. we let our guards down. Ooh. So there are Shadim waiting at the Chasana, right by the Chuppah. They're waiting to attack. They're waiting to do some harm. Mm. Breaking the glass scares them all away. <laughs> um, they don't seem so tough anymore. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: Wow. What do you know?
3: It used to be not not stepping. It used to be throwing against the wall. Like they used to make a big thing. Wow. Um, it's, it's still, it is a big thing. But you know. That's
2: so cool. So it does,
3: it does, and it is, it does demon. It, yes,
2: Ugh, first one, man, it's all <laughs> gonna be downhill from here. But I love that it's also, I mean, a wedding is also that moment of transition. It's not necessarily the kind of vulnerability that you associate with childbirth, for instance, but it is a, it is a change in status. And right. it is a moment that sort of opens you up to new things.
3: Right, and, and back to the Ayanara idea, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, maybe some in the audience, uh, might be familiar with, you know, somebody's felling over their children, you know, and it's a wonderful thing. Somebody would shh, don't give a kinahara, right? Don't don't make a don't make a kinahara. yeah. What's that all about? Because if you're saying how great your children are or how great somebody else's children are, you our even,
2: children are great though.
3: Don't give a kinahara. <laughs> um, yeah, so, they're excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, so so you're saying you're saying, you're you're announcing basically, I'm letting my guard down in the mm. sense of. My children or somebody else's children or whatever we're letting this down because we're so proud or we're, yeah you know and that's really how we feel but we can't let the Shadim know about it got it um
2: okay i'm gonna go on to our next one so how about salt on the shabbos table
3: uh um salt on the shabbos table i do not think it i do not think so I don't think it demons. Okay. Salt on the Shabbos table is reminiscent of the Miz- Mizbeach and the Beis Amikdash. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was salt on the Mizbeach.
2: Represent the the uh, sacrifices or the, the place, the altar, where right. the sacrifices were offered. Um, traditionally kept on the table, salt on a little bit of the challah. Yeah. No, nothing but demons. We put salt on the ground to see the chicken feet.
3: Uh, no. no, ashes, not salt. Some people did salt. Um, that's true, actually. I do remember somebody telling us that. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't find ashes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they should get
2: a black cat. Um, okay, great. So, how about covering mirrors in a shiva house?
3: Uh, yeah, that one. That one is the. Okay, same. so
2: let's give a little bit of context. So, shiva is the is the seven day period mm-hmm. of mourning after someone close to you has died, and um, traditionally you don't spend a whole lot of time pruning and preening. You spend your time in in contemplation and connection with your family, and so the mirrors are typically covered with. Some kind of curtain or or towel or whatever it might be, um, but is there a demon thing going on there?
3: Yeah, again, a velus uh, morning is a is a time of vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the the there's uh, I think it's the Chesed Avraham. I think it's the don't, don't quote me on that. There's a there's a. This is being recorded rabbi. forever. Don't so. quote me on that. <laughs> um, he uh, he brings that the uh, that the. Uh, uh, mirrors, so it's possible that a person could look in a mirror and see the image of a rabid barking dog and um, if one were to do that, that would bring their vulnerability to the point where they could be susceptible to attack by shading Hmm. and in in a house of mourning you don't want to make yourself susceptible and so you just cover all the mirrors.
1: So this is
2: actually what the text can't says. You can see the dog. Yeah. The, the, this is actually what that text says, is that in the mirror you might actually see a rabid barking dog? Correct. Like a real rabid barking dog
3: that's uh, being reflected in the mirror? It doesn't have to be real. Just the image of a rabid barking dog, which, oh. would, which would make them susceptible to attack by shading. Wow. But obviously you don't want to, I mean, if I'm looking in the mirror and there's a rabid barking dog behind barking <laughs> you dog behind. You have me, other problems. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay, fascinating. So a little bit of shade thing. I'm I'm doing pretty well so far. What about what about shaking the lulav? Which honestly uh, I find super weird. Uh,
3: you're welcome to find it weird. It is. A, <laughs> Thank you. It is an extremely holy mitzvah <laughs> that uh, not, it not specifically have anything to do with shading. It's uh, it's it's a mitzvah. You're doing it. You're you're pushing so on away Sukkots, the shades.
2: Right. So on Sukkot we, we take the four species and we shake them to the four corners, and it's 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 kind of weird. I disagree. Okay. In fact, but it, it doesn't have anything to do with shading? What? It doesn't have anything to do with shading though? Not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. Okay, we'll find something. We'll figure it out. Um, my last one is hamantaschen. Okay. Which I just don't like.
3: You don't like hamantaschen? I don't. You're a lackey. I'm
2: a lucky gal.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, do they do that? You need it? to explain that one. So uh, we're from
2: Chicago. And in Chicago for years, they've um, held this very silly sort of faux intellectual event called the Latke Hamantaschen debate at the University of Chicago, where people who are giants in their field go and present, using the tools of their field, an argument as to whether the latke or the hamantash is the superior holiday food. So someone in, the, in physics may, may use- <laughs>
3: Political science. May
2: use physics to talk about latke versus hamantash, or someone who is you know, a, a feminist scholar may use their field. Um, and uh, I am very solidly team latke. So I would like Hamantashen to be something demon.
3: No? I'm racking my brain. I don't think so.
2: (laughs) That's very disappointing. I
3: I mean, Hamantashen there is,
2: But there is a cool, like, Megillah Purim thing about Shadim that we can share. There's
3: a lot of cool Megillah Purim stuff about Shadim. yeah.
2: Do you want to do the one about Esther?
3: Uh, We we mentioned this one in a previous podcast, I think, didn't we? Well, let's touch on it very quickly. Okay. For the
2: benefit of our studio audience.
3: Fine. Um, Very, very briefly, there is a problem that the rabbis are dealing with in the Megillah. um, uh, If you can remember the story, Achishverosh is holding this, um, what's often referred to as a pageant, where he's trying to find the next queen of Persia um, after Vashti is uh, gotten rid of. (laughs) And the um, method by which he's doing that is he's taking basically every virgin in the entire empire and sleeping with them to to see if they are worthy uh, of being the queen. And Esther, who is a prophetess, knows that she needs to become the queen in order to ultimately save the Jewish people and everything. Uh, And how can she possibly do such a thing with Akashverosh? So
4: Hmm.
3: what's going to happen? She doesn't know what to do, about it, so she goes to Mordechai. This this text is in the Zayhar. It's the Zihar Kodesh.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: so, as we've mentioned before, there are a lot of shayim demons that show up in very everyday mundane texts, um, but there are also plenty that show up in more esoteric, kabbalistic writings, such as the Zohar. So, this is where this
3: one is from. Yeah, and um, so uh, she consults with Mordechai. Who is the head of the Sanhedrin? He knows all the languages, including how to speak to the Shady. He is
2: a smart Hamantash.
3: <laughs> They're like smart cookies. Is that what you meant it to is. say? Okay. It <laughs> is.
2: They got it. Okay. Okay. Yes.
3: <laughs> um, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so.
2: Ten years married, everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so Mordechai does the uh, uh, the he he uh, he captures and uh, summons a shade, a shade, specifically a female shade. A lady shade. Who takes the, sh- he, he coerces her to take the form of Esther mm-hmm. and the place of Esther in the bedroom, uh, the royal bedroom. And so Esther is saved from having to do anything and Ahasuerus gets to sleep with the demon. And <laughs> it's a uh, win-win, <laughs> right. oh. look at that. <laughs> um, uh, I have so.
2: all kinds of questions but yeah. they've already been addressed in previous episodes. <laughs> ah. um, that's all I got for you for Does a Demon. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Yay. Um, I understand that um, you've got a little game for me, and then we'll do some q and
3: I think it's only fair, right? I've never okay. done this. We've never done this before.
2: Everybody in this audience is Team Miriam, by the way. I'm just kidding. OK. OK. Um,
3: What's my game? I think, I, I think it's kind of easy. I don't know. The game is... <laughs>
2: <laughs> because you love me.
3: Okay. Yeah. The game is... Who's is that demon? <laughs> <laughs> name that shade. Name that shade. It's a... Uh, I'm going to describe a shade.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe
3: their powers, maybe something we know about that particular shade. Okay. Or ah, And uh, you tell me the name. Okay. Okay. Great. I you will do my it? best. Okay. And it's going to go in order of difficulty. I think we're going to try it that okay. way. Okay. Uh, So starting with the easier one, this Mm -hmm. particular shade hovers over standing water (laughs) and Mm -hmm. is, uh, and if a person were to drink this liquid, would become blind.
2: That shade is an old buddy of mine named Shabriri. Yes. And it is the reason that, for instance, this cup of tea up here, not only does it have this top on because it makes it convenient to drink hot liquids, but also taking it off and leaving it out there um, would make me susceptible to demonic blindness. So I'm literally covered.
4: <laughs> uh, okay.
3: Next question. Right <laughs> um, this particular shade was Extremely well-respected by the rabbis and Chazal and the Gemara, Mm -hmm. and the the, uh, uh, Mm Amoraim, and... uh, Various
2: generations of rabbis and scholars, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, Made it all the way to Prague. And we also know that he would communicate with other Shadim via extra-long spiritual tube from one (laughs) city to another. It's your guy?
2: This is my guy, Yosef Shade. Yosef Shade? Shade. Shade. This is Joe the Demon. Um, I colloquy with We're buddies. He has a so name.
3: The, the it- rabbis named him Yosef.
2: Yes. So his name's Yosef Shade. And um, I refer to him Joe, as Joe the Demon because, you know, we're tight like that. Um, but I think it's fan- fascinating, actually, that there are so many demons that, um, first of all, are given such like normal, everyday names, <laughs> like Yosef. And there's Yonatan. Yeah. It's like Joe and John. Um, and, um, and that they become so friendly with the rabbis and they become these confidants or pets, as we've suggested. Um, but uh, Yosef Shada is one of my favorites,
3: maybe. Yeah.
2: Cool. What else do you got for me?
3: Uh, okay. I we'll hear do, these are getting harder. We'll do two more. Okay. Um, this particular shade has uh, is, a, is one of the kings. Mm. Of the oh. we don't say his name, Oh. and he is more powerful than. How Ashmedai. am I supposed to answer this question? Because there's a way we get around saying his <laughs> name, but we don't say his full name. Okay. Uh, he is more powerful than Ashmedai, the other king.
2: Mm, okay, so I can't say his name, um, but he is referred to as the Samach Mem. Yep, or the Sam. Am I okay? I'm still so good. far good. Okay, great. Um, and yes, extremely powerful and scary we've we've talked before about the the demon royal family. there are castes of demons um, and Ashmedai is usually thought of as the head Hancho but there's someone even more dark and sinister and powerful than him and that is the Lisa
3: yeah not to be confused with the satan, which is a different thing entirely. not a
2: shade not does a shade. not demon
3: right very good. there you go. Uh, And last, I don't know if you'll get this one. I think I got you on this one. This one is, uh, let's see, so um, she is most powerful on Tuesdays and Friday nights. (laughs) She Uh goes out with her legions of 180,000 other Malachi Chabala, angels of destruction, or, other, or demons. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, she was given those two nights by none other than Rabbi Hanida hmm Let me keep going.
2: Is this Lilith? No. It's not? No. I forgot her name. Machlat? Close. Agra? Yeah. Oh.
3: Yeah. Thanks for helping I me out, guys. Bas, <laughs> Bas Machlas, daughter of Machlas.
2: <laughs> okay, so there are... Whew, that was a tough last one. There are, in the demon royal family, um, there are four queens. Lilith may be the most familiar. Yeah, fans of Lilith? Yeah,
3: yeah? Ooh. No, no fans. Yes, no, no fans. fans, no, no fans. fans. No no fans. We don't like Lilith, Please. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh,
2: Lilith is the most familiar, and she's got an amazing and variety of, of backstories and ideas about who she is and what she did and why she matters. Um, the other three are a queen named Naama, um, who um, is interesting because there is there is also a Midrashic Nama who was thought to be the wife of Noah. Um, coming back to. Different character. This week's Parsha. Same name, different um, Same name, different character, different Nama, but at the same time, interesting that she's given that name. Um, and then the other two are Agrat, Agras, right? Mm-hmm. which What does Agras mean?
3: Uh, uh, means um, a number of. <laughs> different possibilities the one that comes to mind is like a like a letter like a, a letter not, not not like a oh like any e. garret yeah
2: oh interesting yeah. that's a weird name we'll have to talk to her parents see why she was given that name maybe her, it's a family her, her name? mother was mahlas her mother was mahlas so mahlas is um, is the fourth of the demon queens and her name literally means something like plague sickness plague no sickness mess. destruction yeah. also not recommended for the baby name set we got something coming along.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, how'd I do? Uh,
3: three out of four.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate right. it. Awesome. Um,
3: get a Rubik's Cube or something. I don't get
2: know. a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, yeah. And somebody's voice on my voicemail. Um, amazing. So are there, we would love to open the floor up to any questions that may be coming up in your head about anything that we've talked about so far or about shady Jewish demonology in general. What's on your mind? Yeah.
3: As you were talking about it tonight, I was interested in
4: the chicken feet. Yeah. That the demons have. It is metaphorically there are theories too. I was wondering if there's a connection
1: either between those stories or some explanation for feet, why they're important in that way.
2: Yeah, great question. Yeah. Thank you. So um, so the question was about the chicken feet. And why chicken feet? Why is it important? What's the connection here?
3: So I'll start with why feet. Um, we do have a text. Don't remember which one, but we covered it in the pre- previous episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: that uh, the feet are important because they connect us to the realm. The, the, they connect the shading to the realm of to our realm, right? So we actually mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in the in the episode that they're up in the upper atmosphere, but they're vertical, somewhat like we are and that uh, their feet are closer. And so that's the one part that's like the, most, literally grounding. the most physical mm-hmm. uh, aspect of their, because it's closest to the physical realm. Hmm. So uh, it's harder to change, right? I can't shapeshift because uh, I'm physical. My body is physical. Right. But they can because they are mostly not. But the closest part of them is that. Th- so um, yeah,
4: hmm.
3: why chicken feet? Is that your, the other part of your question? I don't know. Uh, they are weird-looking dinosaurs. <laughs> they think the T-Rex had chicken feet. Um, Little teeny feathers? Yeah, right. That's also a thing. Um, yeah, does that help? Does that answer your question? Sure, thank you. Okay. Cool.
2: Great question. Other thoughts? Yeah?
1: So the feet, again. <laughs> <laughs> All about the feet. Okay. The feet have anything to do with the rest of the body? Are they the same if it's a chicken feet that's in a chicken body and head? Or, oh. or, or uh-huh. Great.
2: So let's get into what does what's the rest of the body? What's going on? This is such a Jewish conversation, by the way. Too, I, somebody next is going to ask, well, how many inches up is it? <laughs> right. And it's like, do I have to wear a dress that goes all the way? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um,
3: so the uh, um, that's a great question. The um, the answer is it depends on the caste, C-A-S-T-E, right? The 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 where this where in the hierarchy of the the shading, the particular shade we're talking about falls. So um, I should back up and say that there is a hierarchy of shading, just as there's a hierarchy of angels, malachim. Mm-hmm. They're the more powerful ones, like Mary mentioned, the the, um, the demon royal family would be at, up at the top of that, with the Sam sort of being at the top of that. And then down below, are all those, the myriads that are surrounding us all the time and that sort of thing. Um, depending on where they are is what their body looks like, or what they are made of, or what possibilities they have to shapeshift into. Interestingly, though, I cannot think of a single text or story where a shade chooses to become a chicken. Um, uh, And so the rest of their bodies are, for some reason their feet are, but I don't know, maybe that's why they don't want to be the rest of their bodies to be chickens, Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, Or they are, and just nobody knows about it, so it was never written down, Mm -hmm. so. um, Hmm. I don't know, uh, so uh, I don't know if that helps answer your question. They're all different kinds of things, though. They they can be they can be take the form of humans, like I said, King Solomon, right? Except for their feet, they can take. They can wear shoes. Yeah, they can cover their feet, but they can't um, change their form.
2: Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. Okay, put somebody else okay. Okay. I saw one over here. Yeah.
4: Okay, what, what right now.
2: Oh, I love this question. So um, the question was were shading ever people or have they always just been shading right? Um, and so there are a number of origin stories as to where the shading come from. Um, one is that they were created at Twilight on the first on the sixth day of creation right before. God clocks and you know calls it quits. Um, so there, there's a number of things that are said to have been created in that liminal space, right? We're talking about shifting and transition and vulnerability. Um, and one of the things is this set of souls. Um, is it nefesh? Yeah. It's the, nefesh the, chaya. Yeah. This set of souls that are made, and then just they just don't get bodies. And then God's like, oh man, Shabbos, I got to get home. Um, and so. That's where, that's one origin story for the demons. But there's another origin story for the demons that actually has to do with Migdal Bavel, which has to do with the story of Babel.
4: The Tower of Babel, yeah.
2: That, um, you'll tell me if I'm getting this right. So, there's the, um, so in, are we reading that this week?
4: Yeah.
2: That's this week. That's amazing. Great. Um, so, in Parsha Noah, which I know, um, there's a, there's the story of Migdal Bavel, which is, this, the, the, the the Tower of Babel, um, where all the nations are coming together to build this big, um, you know, monument to themselves and how awesome they are, um, to try and reach up to the heaven and be like God. And God's like, uh-uh, no honey. And so disperses all of those builders and changes their language so they can't communicate with one another. I feel like this is a very important story for our time. (laughs) Um, And those... Participants in the building of the Tower of Babel are said to have been changed into shading. that that was part of their punishment for the participation. And so that's another one of the of the origin
3: stories. Yeah, did I oth- basically get that right? Yeah, basically. And there are other ways too. I mean, every time you do an avera, a person does an avera, chas, chas v'shalom. They create a shade. And like God I said, forbid. They're innumerable. There you cannot. Yeah.
2: Right. No one in this audience is doing any Avera's, though, so we're good.
3: Um, if you're asking, though, if there's like a specific person who became a shade, is that, is that maybe what you're thinking? Or um,
2: Why don't you answer that question?
3: <laughs> um, uh, I would not go so far, because we do, we, but, but it's, a, it's a good question as well, because we do have an example of a person who became a Malach, another, another angel whose name we don't say, but for a different reason. It has to do with power. Um, Although top, if you watch you know? the
2: movie Dogma, then okay. his name gets said over all and right. over. Yeah, so. yeah. Whatever. Great question. Others? I'm going to come to the side. Yes?
1: So going back to you start with Halloween. Yeah. It seems like in the secular world, kids know all about Halloween from the earliest stages, and mm-hmm. parents are teaching them all of the bubble about Halloween. <laughs> so as a Jewish parent, I never knew I should teach my kids this. What age do you recommend we start
2: teaching our kids about the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that question. <laughs> I am fascinated by your framing. Um, so, the, so the question was, kids grow up learning about Halloween and sort of general secular culture. And um, if it's this much a part of the, a part of Jewish tradition, what age should kids start learning about it?
3: You're, you're passing the question on to me now? I pass all the questions to you. <laughs> well, you took the one about Migdal Okay, um, yeah, so um, before I get to what age should you start teaching your kids, I, I'm a firm believer, by the way, that every kid is different and you have to judge by, you know, like, you know, even 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 stories in the Torah itself, you know, like teach Torah for sure at an early age, but, you know. In an age-appropriate and, way. In an age-appropriate and, and a kid-appropriate way, because every kid is different. That said, um, Absolutely, this is a part of our tradition, as much as any other part of our tradition. Um, and it has been covered over by what's called uh, um, rationalism, right? Uh, Maimonides is a big, a big reason why we don't teach this now, because people, he was a, he was a rationalist, right? And he didn't, he didn't believe in shading. He wanted to get the Jewish people in the Middle Ages in Europe, which is, if you can imagine, this was part of their lives every day. Um, he was trying to get them to stop do, doing stuff, trying to avoid shadim, just start doing mitzvahs, um, and uh, in that in that sense, we've come a long way, uh, in in the sense of doing mitzvahs as opposed to thinking about shadim. However, I think it's at, it, it's to our own detriment because we're ignoring this whole part of our tradition, which is the that are there, and there's still a lot that can be learned from them. Um, another reason is. Americanization, you know, uh, Westernization, secularization, uh, Haskalah, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, put, takes all this and puts it in the category of superstition. And that's a dangerous thing when you're talking about religious texts, when you're talking about part of our tradition, you know, that is right there next to halachas about Shabbos or halachas about um, you know, uh, anything. It's right there. It's right in there in all the texts. You don't have to look far for, for, the, for the shading. Um, and then with regard to the part of your question about you know, putting this up against you know, witches, and goblins, and vampires, and skeletons, and I don't know what else from, from Halloween, um, it's important to keep in mind that um, Halloween is, uh, well, it has its origins in paganism. It's become a Christian holiday. Over time, it became a Christian holiday. Um, but I'll be perfectly frank and honest in telling you that in doing our research for this episode, we wanted to try to find something related, and I think with good reason, there really isn't. I mean, Halloween is certainly in the modern sense with the parties and, the and you know, like, um, if anything, I think the Purim, the, 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 the way it's celebrated by Jews is um, the closest you get to Halloween, but it's the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, the kids The kids on Halloween, they go around from house to house and they take candy. They take treats. And on Purim, kids go from house to house and they're giving shalak manas. They're giving treats. And that, if anything, is, is the message that I would want to give across to my kids. Um, so, anyway.
2: And I would just add to that um, that something that I really love and appreciate about having done this deep dive exploration of shading for the past year and a half or so, which we started because... I was in one of those liminal transitional spaces where I felt very vulnerable. I was having a really hard time professionally. It, was, it had been a really crummy year. I didn't know what was going on. I felt very out of control. And when, when the world is crazy anyway, um, you kind of turn to weird stuff to help make sense of it. And that's very much done it for me. Um, things are better professionally. Thank you, thank, thank goodness. And, um, but part of what I've come to appreciate through doing all of this with, with Alan is um, we got to keep Judaism weird. You know, there's just, <laughs> there's just um, I think there's, there's so much about our own tradition that we don't know. And there's so much that just can keep surprising us. And bringing us joy and inspiration or confusion or any, any emotion is a good thing when it comes to your own tradition, right? You want to find that stuff that fires you up. And um, I think we do ourselves a real disservice when we sort of brush off any aspect of it. Um, so whether you love it, whether you hate it, wrestle with it. And I think if, you know, if anything is our, our message behind Throwing Shade, it's, it's a lot about that. Um, so we have, we're have we coming to the end of our time. <laughs> um, we're going to do one more song to take us out. We're happy to stick around and schmooze. Um, and uh, just a huge, huge, huge thank you to the JCC of Detroit, to Jamie here in particular, who is amazing and just, can I say she's a badass? She's a badass. Everyone here has been so kind and hospitable and accommodating, and um, we're just um, really grateful to be able to do this and to be able to share this with you, and hope we got you a little bit excited about a part of our tradition that we don't explore all that much. And whether it's demons or whether it's something else, find the thing that sparks you. Um, we end all. We tend to end our podcast with an action item, right? Um, our Throwing Shade is about better living through Jewish demonology, so we're sort of the trying to be the Oprah of Jewish Shadim studies. <laughs> um, and I am, I am, if I were going to aspire to anything. Um, but I, I would say if I were going to, we, we look back on the conversation that we had and then pull out what's the thing that we want our listeners to do with this. Um, and for me, I think it just, it really does come back to like, find the thing that keeps Judaism weird enough for you to keep excited about it. And um, find the thing that sparks you and and dig in Whatever it makes you feel, figure out what that feeling means. Um, how about you, Alan? Is your is your is your action item to do mitzvahs?
3: If you want it to be, I mean, that's a great. <laughs> a, yeah. What um,
2: would your action item be for after this conversation?
3: Um, this was something we didn't prepare. <laughs> um, yeah, you. I know. Mir- Miriam's <laughs> nodding. Um, very uh, sar- sar- sinisterly. Sardonically. Sardonically, maybe. I don't know. Um let's see.
2: Sartorially, can I nod like a tailor? <laughs> it's getting really late. Do you have an action item or you just want to play a song?
3: I just want to play a
4: song. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. From you all we need a stomp clap. Here we go.
0: Ready? Stomp, clap, stop, clap, stop.
2: Throwing Shade, S H E Y D. Just search us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, whatever you use. Um, you will find us there. We also have a Twitter account, which is you know how we take questions.
3: This week, sometime, probably. Yeah, before the end of the
2: week.